This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. And let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are light. God is light, no darkness. And Lord, as we open up your word this morning, we pray that you would illuminate our hearts and Lord, dispel all the darkness out of us that we might see light in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, this morning we're gonna be covering the, um, this, uh, well, not even really cover it, but we're gonna uh, touch on this uh, important parable of the talents, the parable of the talents here in Matthew 25, verse 14. That's where it is, this, these verses 14 through 30 of Matthew 25, okay? For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Unto one he gave five talents, to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, 
gathering where thou hast not strawed, and I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest, therefore, to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have had received my own with usury, or interest. Take, therefore, and for the talent from him, and give it unto him with that ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he that hath, he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, so now here we are in this parable of the talents, and this is a parable that applies to all people, but it's especially to the Jewish people because, as you said before, the Jewish people are just like everybody else, only more so. Anyway, the parable that we studied last was the parable of the ten virgins, and these two parables really fit together. They go together. Why? Because they're to the Jewish people, and they are unique. These two parables are unique. They only appear in the Gospel of Matthew, which is written to the Jewish people. Now, in order to see the parallel, or or really the tie-in between these two parables, you have to understand that the oil in the last parable of the ten virgins represents the Holy Spirit, as we said, and the wise virgins who had oil in their lamps represents those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit fills a person, he gives that person three gifts or three things in his life with God. First, the Holy Spirit gives that person an ability to see the will of God for their lives from the Bible so that a person knows the will of God for his life And this action of the Holy Spirit of revealing the will of God is called the renewing of the mind. It's called the transformation that renews the mind in Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that acceptable and perfect will of God. So that's the first thing that the Holy Spirit does is when he transforms or renews the mind, Through the Bible, he reveals specifically what is the will of God for that person. That's the first thing that he does inside a believer. He reveals through the scriptures the will of God for his life. But just because a person knows what the will of God is for his life, that doesn't mean that he's gonna do the will of God. So the second thing that the Holy Spirit does is what's necessary in the person is that he gives the person the will to do the will of God, the want to do the will of God. Philippians 2.13, Philippians 2.13 said, it's God that works in you to will of his good pleasure. Now, just because a person knows what the will of God is for his life, just because a person has a desire to do the will of God in his life, that doesn't mean that he's gonna do the will of God in his life. He needs the third thing that the Holy Spirit does in a person's life, and the third thing the Holy Spirit does in a person's life is he gives them the power to do the will of God. See, that's Philippians 2.13. That's the other side of Philippians 2.13 where it says, for it's God which worth in you both 
to will and to do of his good pleasure. So those are the three things the Holy Spirit does when he fills a person's life. The revelation that he gets of what exactly is God's will for my life, gets that from the scriptures. The second is he puts the will within the person, I wanna do the will of God. And the third, he gives the power to do the will of God. And this is what it means for these five virgins in the last parable who had the oil in their lamps in their lives. They had the Holy Spirit in their lives showing them the will of God for their lives, giving them the will to wanna do the will of God in their lives and giving them the power to do the will of God in their lives. That's what the Holy Spirit does in a person's life and we can see this clearly in the life of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is such a, a great person. I mean, what, how did Jesus describe John the Baptist? Jesus described John the Baptist among men. The, there's no greater than John the Baptist. I mean, he sometimes gets a bad rap. I don't know. He's out there in the wilderness eating locusts and honey. Who wants to eat locusts and honey? He's dressed in leather and so forth. He was great. He was great. It says in Luke 1.15, Luke 1.15, he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. John the Baptist was identified as a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit did these three things in John the Baptist's life. And that's what's really something about John the Baptist. First, the Holy Spirit revealed to John the Baptist what was God's will for his life. And what was God's will for John the Baptist's life? To turn the children of Israel to the Lord their God. That was God's will. Huge task, take it from me. Huge task, unbelievable. Second, the Holy Spirit gave John the Baptist the will to want to turn the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Um, when I went around with Pastor Jim, he said to me from the chapel here, he said to me very early in my Christian life, my life with Christ, he said to me, you're Jewish, you should come with me. I, he was superintendent of San Diego Hebrew Mission. You should come with me, go door to door to the Jewish people in San Diego. I said, okay. So I went around door to door and Pastor Jim with his Bostonian Irish Catholic accent clearly not Jewish, clearly as, as far as someone could be from, from being Jewish, you look like a zebra or something like that anyway. He came there to the door and he gave the gospel and the Jews listened, thought, well, yeah, okay, it's an interesting animal in the zoo here in front of me, fine, you know, believe whatever he wants, you know. But then Pastor Jim turned to me and said, and look at him, he's one of your own. Then the explosion happened and the ladies kicked me in the shins and hit me on the chest and said all kinds of horrible things. And I wanna tell you, I had no desire to go to the Jewish people after that, none, zero. And I told him that. And he said to me, oh, I don't understand you. He said, if I can walk up, was in this room. He said, if I can walk up and down these aisles here for three hours in a day and pray for the Jewish people and cry over them, and, you don't, and you're one of them, and you don't care, what's the matter with you? Well, through that, God uh, showed me that God's will for my life was like John the Baptist, 
turn the children of Israel to the Lord their God. But I didn't have the will to do it, but then God gave me the will to want to do that. Almost like, you know, wanting to hurt yourself. But anyway, that's what he did. And then third, the Holy Spirit gave John the Baptist the power to do it. He had the revealed will of God, the Holy Spirit showed him. You are to turn the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He had the desire to do it from the Holy Spirit. You will now want to turn the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he had the power to turn the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he did. And that's what it says about his life in Luke 1, 16. Many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Not just many of the children of Israel shall he know that he has to turn to the will of their God. The Holy Spirit did that. Not just many of the children of Israel shall he want to turn to the Lord their God. The Holy Spirit did that. But many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God with the power. That's all from the Holy Spirit. And so this is what we see in the life of John the Baptist, and that's why John the Baptist is the person I want to be like. He was filled with the Holy Spirit like the five wise virgins, and they represent the people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, and therefore they know the will of God for their lives, they want to do the will of God for their lives, and they have the power, and they do the will of God for their lives, just like John the Baptist. In other words, the Holy Spirit works so that a person moves to action to do the will of God for their lives. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's the link between the first parable of the 10 of the virgins and this parable of the 10 talents because this parable is about action, doing the will of God with a life. That's what this parable is all about. Now here Christ tells us another to do this. He's using another teaching analogy and he starts off by describing this man who is about to, in verse 14, he's about to travel to a far country for a long time. Now clearly, in this parable, uh, the man is representing Jesus Christ. The far country represents heaven. The man's own servants represent the servants of Christ with responsibilities, and the talents represent the abilities that a person is endowed with or given and their resources that they have as a gift from God, and trading represents the will of God. So that's the key that cracks the code of what this parable is all about. So we read what happens. Before the man goes on a long journey for a long time, in verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered them to them as goods. So what we see here, we see a man calling his servants. He calls them because why? He's gonna give them instructions for what they are to do when he's gone. The man's not just calling anyone, to take care of his interest. There is an emphasis in verse 14 of who he is calling, and the emphasis is in one word, own. Verse 14, he called his own servants. Those were people who he identified as his servants. Those were people who identified themselves as his servants. We're not talking about just anyone in the world. We're talking about the church the people who identify themselves as the servants of Christ. They call themselves the servants of Christ. Christ identifies them as his servants. And the man commits to his servants a great trust. Take care of my goods. 
And that's what is represented. The man does not expect his servants to be idle during this time when he's gone and do nothing during the time he's gone. He expects his servants to work and work hard while he's gone. And not just work hard on anything, but to work hard specifically on his interests. And that teaches us that Christ does not expect us to do nothing for him while he's gone. He expects us to work and work hard on his interest. And so we're told in verse 14, verse 14, that he delivered unto them his goods, those goods that the man put in charge, the people were put in charge of. Just as Christ has committed to us his church and the evangelization of the world that will build his church up, just like it says in, in uh, Acts 20, 28, Acts 20, 28, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Christ has left his church on earth for us to take care of, to encourage believers, and to help to build them up and to add to his church through evangelizing. That's what evangelization of the lost is all about. It's all about building up his church, and these are represented in this parable by what he calls his goods in verse 14. He delivered unto them, verse 14, he delivered unto them his goods. Now the church of the servants of Christ, they belong to Christ because Christ paid for it. It was very costly when it says his own servants, his talents he was giving. In 1 Peter 1.18, 1 Peter 1.18 says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed or bought with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. Without redeemed or purchased with the precious blood of Christ. There's nothing more costly to Christ than his own blood. And that's what he used to pay for the church, his own blood. So it means that Christ is intensely interested in what happens to the church. He bought it with his own blood, very valuable. He used his own blood to buy us. We are purchased with the blood of Christ. And we're also purchased with the blood of Christ, buys for us forgiveness from our sins. Ephesians 1.7, Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And he not only used his blood to buy us, he not only used his blood to obtain our, our forgiveness from our sins, he also used his blood to clean us from our sins. 1 John 1.7, 1 John 1.7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Christ cleanses us, but of Christ his son, cleanses us from all sin. So with his blood, with his blood, he used his blood to buy us or redeem us. He used his blood to obtain our forgiveness from our sins. He used his blood to cleanse us. So no wonder with so much that Christ has invested in us that he has intensely jealous over anything that would draw us away from him, entice us to sin, and defile us. He's jealous because he paid for our souls. He paid for our forgiveness. 
He paid for our cleansing with his own blood. So when the parable says that the man delivered unto his own service his goods, that means Christ has delivered to us the keeping and the building up of his church. Now we see this man in this parable distribute essentially money to these people in verse 14 and 15. He goes, he says, he called his servants, delivered his goods, one to one, he gives five talents, another two, another one, to every man according to his several ability and straightway, straightway took his journey. So what we see this man doing here is giving to his own all that they will need to make money, make more money. I'm glad that I spent my life in business because this helps me understand what's going on here. Now, by the way, there's no mention of the servants, what they brought to the table. There's There's no mention of that. All the focus is what the man has given to his servants. And that shows us that we, everything we have has come from Christ. Everything that we have comes from Christ. There's only one thing that we have in life that we can call our very own. Just one thing. That one thing that we can call in life that we did not get from Christ, that we can call our very own is our own sin. Our own sin comes 100% from us. That's it. Everything else is a gift from Christ. So just as the man gave talents to each one of his servants, we've received from Christ all that we need to do the will of God. We receive from God his Bible that teaches us about God's truths, about God's laws, about God's promises, about God's powers, and reveals to us the will of God in our lives. We, he, has, he has provided to us, as we said, the Holy Spirit so that not on our own when we open up the Bible and we find the will of God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit working in us. He's provided the Holy Spirit to be our friend, the wonderful Holy Spirit, to help us, as we mentioned, giving us the desire and the power to do the will of God. So at verse 14, when it says that he calls his own service and delivers them to him as goods, Then there comes this testing time when he's gone. And that's a time, then there comes a time of accountability when he returns. And that's the point of this parable. This parable is all about accountability, accountability. You know, I have a friend who lives in uh, Loretto and he makes fantastic videos in Loretto, fantastic. And I'm always interested, and about every week he sends people, including me, uh, the new video that he made. And, and the photography and the sound is, if you go on our website, trmarinatours.com, you'll see many of his videos. Fantastic. And recently he made a video, they have part of an organization called KLM, Keep, Keep Loretto Magical, you know. And, and anyways, there's a video about keeping Loretto free of pollution in order to keep Loretto magical. And in his video, he starts off talking about animals and man. And he says in the video, every school child is taught that man came to this earth 10 million years ago. And that animals were on the earth 800 million years ago. So in other words, animals come first, you know. And boy, I was driving that hard. And I thought to myself, why is he pushing this dogma so strongly with the statement that every school child is taught that man came to the earth 10 million years ago. I mean, we had three sons, we had three school children, and we didn't teach them that. We taught them that man came to this earth less than 10,000 years ago when, man, when God created him. 
So why does he, why does the world push this scenario, this dogma of evolution, so strongly with statements that every school child is taught and that the theory of evolution is no, really no longer a theory, it's a fact, and that's so critical for the world to, why do they push this so strongly that man's here on Earth 10 million years ago and the animals are here 200 million years ago, and then over those 200 million years, slow, random, incremental changes resulted in the animals that 10 million years ago, boom, we've got man. What do you know? Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.